the word. Do what it says. All right? The last five weeks, um, Pastor Brian has been talking, uh, preaching to us about learning to be spiritual. And he gave us five practices that will change your life. And we talk about uh, prayer, we talk about fasting, solitude, and worship. And all five messages that came up from the Word of God. It's been exciting to hear some of the stories. Uh, it sounds like many of you have been taking the, the card that Brian has, has uh, given to us uh, at each of the service, uh, weekend service, and do something with it. And some of you fasted, and some of you uh, got deeper into your prayer, and some of you uh, studied the Word of God, that's great. And some of you uh, took some time in solitude. And I think some of us spent some time this week in worship. And we encourage you to keep on praying, to keep on fasting, to keep on studying the Word, and to keep on spending time with the Lord. Be still and know that He is God, and keep on worshiping. Amen? Honestly, I will not be up here today if I just listen to what people told me. Here's my story. I grew up in a Mormon church. I grew up in a church where I never heard of this book. Never heard of it. My family grew up in a Mormon church, and I was there from the time I was born until the time when I was 21 years old. I never heard of it. But God sent this couple from Mesa, Arizona to Samoa to tell me about Jesus. Jim and Judy Robinson. And that a guy right next to them. Yeah, I was, I was weighed 150 pounds. <laughs> and I'm still weighing that 150 pounds. <laughs> this wonderful couple, they came to Samoa to tell me about Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. I don't remember how many times I kept rejecting this couple. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. Please go away. I don't want to see your face again. I was so mean to them. I rejected them so many times. But finally, one day I told them I didn't want to hear anything about my church anymore. And they looked at me and said, no, for we are not here to tell you about your church. We are here to tell you about Jesus. And I left her right away on the spot. I went home. Four days later, I called her mom, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. So they came to my house and picked me up. We went to the house. As soon as we entered into the home, we sat down. I said, Jim, tell me all about Jesus. And Jim took out this Bible and showed me John 14, 6. It says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, no, for you can't go from your Mormon churches, from your religion, to God. You have to, you have to go through Jesus. You need to do something. And he turned over John 3.16. And he looked at me, he put his arm around me and said, no, for God so loved you. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I said, that's, that's awesome. He explained it to me. And I said, okay, well, I need to go home. And Jim looked at me, no, we're not finished yet. 
And he said, Jody and I, we love you so much. And we don't want you to leave our home without asking you these questions. And the question was, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God? He says, yes, I do. And he said, well, do you want to accept him and receive Christ into your life? And I felt God move into my heart and say, yes, I want to have Jesus Christ in my life. That night, I made a real decision to receive and accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And I'm standing in front of you this morning because of that. I not only listened to what they said to me, but I put the John 4, 14, 66 and John 3, 16 into practice. And that's why I'm here today. Now, my point is, it is not enough for all of us just to hear the word. It is not enough for all of us just to hear, hear all five messages of five weeks ago. We must do it. We must put them into practice. Amen? Honestly, many of us are sitting here this morning, have the mistaken idea of hearing a sermon or coming to a Bible study that makes you grow spiritually, but it's not. Or turn on your 95.5 radio station, you hear the word. Or you go to HRM conference, you hear the word that makes you grow spiritually, but it is not. All those things are good. No, hearing the word is good. Listen to 95.5 radio station is good, but it is not good enough without the doing. Because the doing of the word of God that brings the blessing to you and your kids to your marriage, to your family, to your church, and to your business. I, I mark my Bible because it's easy for me to flip the pages. You know what? Too many of us Christians, we mark our Bibles. But our Bibles never mark us. And if you think you're a Christian because you hear the word of God... You're only kidding yourself. Now here James is comparing the word of God to a mirror. And there are other two references in the Bible to God's word as a mirror. So when we put all these three together, we discover the ministries of the word of God as a mirror. Now number one, verses 23 to 25 is called examination. Now, we all have mirrors in our home, right? We all have mirrors in our house. Did you look in your mirror this morning before you came here this morning? Yeah. How did you look like this morning? All right. How you look like right now? All right. So what is the purpose for owning a mirror? Ladies, I'm sorry, all of us, what is the purpose for owning a mirror? I can hear you. But the purpose is for you to own, for owning a mirror, is for you to be able to see yourself and make yourself beautiful and neat. Book up your makeup and clean as possible. It's for your own self-examination. You see the flaws, uh, and hopefully you can fix all of them. 
You know, my family, we have seven mirrors in our house. We have six mirrors in Maurice bathroom, I'm sorry. Six mirrors. And I don't even own one mirror. So as we look into God's mirror, we make ourselves, we see ourselves as we really are. James mentions several mistakes we make as we look into God's mirror. Number one, we merely glance at ourselves. You know, we do not carefully study ourselves as we read the Word of God. And many of us Christians, we're sitting here tomorrow, this morning, we read a chapter or two chapters or three chapters of the Bible each day, but it's only for our own religious exercise. But we're not profit from it, personally. And our conscience will bother us if we did not have our reading every day. When actually our conscience should bother us because we read the word of God carelessly. Your cursory reading in the morning were never developed or reveals our deepest needs. Second one, we forget what we see. You know, we, if we were looking deeply enough into our own hearts, what we will see will be unforgettable. And we tend to smile at the extremes of the people back in the day, the great revivals. But perhaps we could use some of that conviction today. Look at John Wesley. John Wesley wrote about preaching service. He said, one before me dropped as dead, and presently a second, and a third, and five others sunk down in a half an hour, most of whom were in violent agonies. Now, before we transfer these people to some psychological limbo, remember what the believers are back in a Bible, responded to the true knowledge of their own hearts. This is what Isaiah, Isaiah said, book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, verse, 7, verse 5. It says, Isaiah cried out, Woe is me, for I am undone. And Peter, book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 8. Peter cried out, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And Job 46, 42, verse, verse 6. Job was a righteous man on earth, and yet he confessed, I upper myself and repent in dust and ashes. I feel the real danger here is forgetting. We hear the word of God, love one another, then we forget. We hear the word of God, rejoice always, but then we forget. We hear the word of God, praying without ceasing, then we forget. We hear the word of God in all things, give thanks, but then we forget. And the Bible says we must look intently into God's word and we must not forget what we have heard. And honestly, you are not going to remember everything I said this morning. But if you can remember one verse or one paragraph or one word, put that into practice this week. Put that into practice. Number two, number three, we fail to obey what the word of God tells us to do. 
Again, we, we think that the hearing is the same as doing. It is not. We Christians enjoy substituting reading for the doing or even talking for doing. You know, we, we hold endless meetings and conferences, meetings after meetings and conferences. Well, well, there's nothing, certainly nothing with meetings and conferences, all those kind of stuff. But they are sinful if we are substitute for service. If we are to use God's word profitably, then we must gaze into carefully and with a serious intent. Verse 25. No quick glances will do. We must examine our own hearts and our own lives by the word of God. That requires your time and your attention and your commitment and your dedication and your sincere devotion. Because your five minutes with God each day will never develop or accomplish your deep spiritual examination. You know, we have been fortunate with the doctors who have cared so much for us throughout the years. And we owe a great deal to them. Do we have any doctors in the house this morning? How many doctors are here? Yes. Thank you so much for your service. And you guys have possessed the two qualities that we appreciate so much. You have spent time with us. Have not been in a hurry. You guys always tell us the truth. In Matthew 9, uh, verse 12, it says, When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well <clears throat> have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. When Jesus Christ, the great physicians, our great God, when he examines you, he uses the word of God. And when Jesus Christ uses the word of God, he, because he loves you and cares for you, and he wants us to give him sufficient time to do the job and to do the job well. Perhaps one of the reasons we glance into the word of God instead of gazing into the word of God is that we are afraid of what we might see. And after seeing ourselves, we must remember what we are and what God says. We must do the word. Verse 25, this man shall be blessed in his doing. And that is the emphasis of the book of James. Put the word into practice. Practice the word. Do it. Reading is good. Hearing is good. Studying is good. Accept the word of God is good. But without the doing, you're not going anywhere. So here's the question. Why does James call the word of God the perfect law of liberty? Because when we obey, when we do it, when we apply it, when we put the word of God into practice, God sets you free. Thus, the second ministry of the word Look at book for, uh, Exodus 38, verse 8. It says that they made the bronze basing and his bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Number two is called a restoration. 
Now, when he built the temple, Moses took the middle-looking classes of women, and from there he made the labor. And the labor was a huge basin that stood between the present altar of the sacrifice and the holy place. And you can find that in more details in the book of Exodus 30, verses 17 to 21. But that basin was filled with water. What happened, the priests washed their hands and their feet before they entered into the holy place to minister. Now, the water for washing is the word of God. It's the word of God and it's blessing power. The mirror of the word of God not only examines you and reveals your sins, but it helps you to cleanse you as well. And the Bible is talking about it gives us the promise of cleansing. So when we meditate on the word of God, it cleanses your heart and your mind. If you do that every day. Again, the hearing is good. Hearing me this morning is good. Reading your Bible is good. But it's not good enough. Look at the story of David and, 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 and Nathan. Nathan experienced with David in 2 Samuel. Chapter 12. It helps us to kind of illustrate that truth. So what happened, Nathan told David the story about the stolen ivory lamp. And David was so angry with him and so angry the sin that described it, thou art the man, said the prophet. And he held up the mirror, the word of God, for David to see. And the result was confession and repentance. And David said, I have sinned against God. See, the word of God did its work of examination. But Nathan did not stop there. He also used the word of God for restoration. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. He says, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also had put away your sin. You shall not die. Here was the assurance of forgiveness and cleansing, and it came from the power of the word. And what David did, he walked over there and washed his feet and his hands before we enter into the holy place. If we stop with examination and restoration, we will miss the full benefit of the mirror, ministry of the word of God. And there's a third one. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. <clears throat> It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplated the Lord's glory, uh, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the third one is called a transformation. Here are the Lord Jesus Christ restores us. He wants to change us. Why he wants to change you and I so that we will grow in grace and not commit that sin again. See, the problem with us as Christians today, we confess our sins every day. 
Wake in the morning, Lord, I confess you as sin yesterday. You know, we confess, we confess, we confess, we confess our sins and claim forgiveness every day. But never grow spiritually to conquer your sin in yourself. Paul used the illustration, it's Moses and his veil. Remember when Moses came down from the mount after he met Jesus, his face was shining. And if you look at the book of Exodus 34, verse 29 to 35, he did not want the Jews to see this glory fading away. So he put on the veil to hide it. But then when he returned to the mountain, he took out the veil. He took off the veil. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he rent the veil in the temple. And removed that veil in order for you and I to have that relationship with God every day. You may explain the second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, in this way. When a child of God looks into the word of God, the mirror, he sees the Son of God and he is transformed by the Spirit of God to share in the glory of God. Now, <laughs> I look at the word change in Samoa. You know, this, this word change in Greek, in Samoan language, is called swinger, S-U-I-G, swinger, change. Where you get your English word is metamorphosis. And metamorphosis is a change from the outside that comes from the inside. For example, if you're an ugly man, I'm sorry, if you're an ugly woman, turns into a beautiful butterfly, that's a change, that's a metamorphosis, right? That is a metamorphosis. When we spend time looking into the Word of God, seeing Christ and hearing Christ, when we put that seeing Christ and, and hearing Christ into practice, we are transformed. We are transformed. The glory of the inside is revealed on the outside. As we meditate on the Word this morning, putting that Word into practice the Spirit of God renews your mind and reveals to you the glory of God. We do not become spiritual Christians overnight. It's a process to get there. And that's why we have all these resources we offer to you. You're not going to become spiritual Christian overnight. It's a process. It's a process together. It's a process. The work of the Spirit of God through the mirror of the Word of God. Marie and I, we were married. The worship seems to come up. Marie and I were married in 1994. And then in 19, from that time, my wife and I, we started praying for my Mormon family to come to Christ. See, see that picture, that was my wedding. That was my wedding because my mom and my dad didn't come to my wedding. Because once I turned, left the Mormon church, they hated me. They didn't want to do anything with me. And that picture, I asked Jim and Judy to come to be my parents. That wedding. So we were married in 1994. From that time on, we started praying for my family, for my mom and my dad, my families, my extended family to come to Christ. 
And then in 1999, Maria and I, we took a team of students from Azusa Pacific University to Samoa. And while we were there, I was invited to, to preach at the Assembly of God Church in my village. And I asked the pastor, please invite my parents to come. Maria and I, we took the team to the village. So that night, I preached from the book of John 3.16. And after my message, I gave people an invitation to come forward to receive Christ. The first person walked down the middle of that aisle was my mom. Behind my mother was my dad. My sister and my brothers. My uncle and his wife and kids. They all came forward to receive Christ. And then one time me when my team got up, my whole team of 12 people got up and stood behind my family and laid hands on them. I could not finish my message. So I asked the pastor to come up and finish it. And I walked down and I hugged my mom and my dad. I told them, it's been a long time. Welcome home. I changed my life. The reason why I told that, I'm telling, the reason why I'm telling that story is you, because I changed my life because of the book of John 14, 6. And the book of John 3, 16. I, both, I put those two scriptures into practice. And that's why I'm standing in front of you this morning. And the reason why my, my mom and my dad and my sister and my two brothers and my uncle, my whole family came forward to Christ because they put John 3.16 into their lives. And that's why we're all here. What about you? Our responsibility is to hear the word of God. Read the word of God. Study the word of God. Accept the word of God. And putting them into practice. Otherwise, we deceive ourselves. May God bless you all.